You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Welcome back. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you as always from the currently rainy climes of Western Japan. And I welcome you all to tonight's edition of Corbett Report Radio. And it's quite interesting. It's quite a coincidence, really. I didn't plan it this way at all, but it seems in recent days we've been covering a lot of matters esoteric, more so than usual. And uh, that was just the way the guests lined up. But uh, tonight we're going to continue that trend with a very interesting discussion about, of all things, coincidences. Or are they really? Well, that's a a subject that is really quite fascinating. There's a lot to explore. So let's start by bringing up tonight's guest. We're going to be talking to Alan Abadessa Green, who is the author and editor of a book on synchromysticism called The Sync Book that's available for purchase through Syncbook Press at thesyncbook.com. His website is allthehappycreatures.com. So, Alan, let's just bring you straight up into the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Well, it's probably the first time a lot of people out there will be encountering you and your work. So, in a nutshell, perhaps you can tell us about who you are and what kind of work it is that you're doing. Sure. Uh, I've been a writer of fiction and uh, animation, mostly, and I consider myself an artist for most of my uh, adult life. And then, as I would say, after 9-11, I got really into conspiracy research, uh, so a lot of truth movement, a lot of uh, politics, and it was something... I mean, I, I live in New York, born and raised here, so this was something that happened on my doorstep, something I was, of course, very uh, very much on my mind, let's just say. Um, and as I was... After a few years of studying different things, conspiracy, geopolitical you end up in this sort of realm uh, where you cross over into esotericism. I think it's very common we see this, people try and present this idea that there is some sort of occult element to the conspiracies. And I would say it was there where things got kind of fuzzy for me, where I was looking at it, and I just kept coming to this conclusion that I don't think people are looking at this, I hate to say the right way, but I don't think our people are looking at the full picture of this. And it was at that time where I got really interested um, in synchronicity and also I got exposed through conspiracy research. There's Again, there's this kind of crossover. Uh, I became familiar with other people who were doing work under the, the name synchromysticism. And we'll, throughout the show, of course, we'll get into what that really means. Um, but I would say that's that was the kind of series of shifts in my life as someone who was creating the art, someone who then looked at the art as a not just art, but uh, the art and the politics as part of this conspiracy, things like predictive programming and stuff like that. And it actually made me question a lot of the work I had done. And then I kind of came through that period and said, well, I know my intentions when I made my artwork. I know who I am. I know what my intentions were. And yet there were all these strange parallels between things that I had done and real-world events that happened shortly thereafter. And it, that's when the, the answer of predictive programming just became way too simple for me. That's right. And you have your own blog and website at allthehappycreatures.com. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, the blog started because of a book I was writing. Uh, the book is called All the Happy Creatures. It's where the blog gets its name. It's a novel. It's very Orwellian. It's about uh, genetically modified uh, animals that can talk and they're made to uh, perform on television. Very, very. So it's this kind of mix between 1984 and uh, Animal Farm. And it was just this very dark period. And it was literally while writing that book that 
I had this kind of schism in my mind where I said, I'm writing something and then I see it happening. How can I say this is conspiracy? Um, and it just really put a big question mark on a lot of things. And the blog, after I would say two months, very quickly shifted from focusing on conspiracies to really delving into what synchronicity is. And that's, I would say, over the last few years, that's pretty much what my blog and all my work has focused on. Well, it's a fascinating topic. Lots to talk about when it comes to synchronicities and coincidences. So let's take our first break. But when we come back, we'll continue talking to Alan Abadessa Green about his work and his forthcoming anthology of synchromistic uh, essays and, uh, and writings. So we'll talk more about that after the break. Let's take a short breather. We'll be right back after this. All right, friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Here we are on this Tuesday night edition of the broadcast, Wednesday morning for me here in Japan, and we are talking to Alan Abadessa Green about his work in the subject of synchromysticism. And again, you can find his website at allthehappycreatures.com. So I think the first question that probably most people will have when they encounter this conversation is, what on earth is synchromysticism? What does this have to do with synchronicities and connections, and what exactly are we talking about here? So I'm sure this is a question that you have dealt with many, many times over the years involved in this research. So what is your stock response to that kind of question? Well, first, let's say synchronicity, of course, is meaningful coincidences. I think most people have experienced them, they know what that is, uh, and this is something that some people experience only every now and then. Uh, synchromysticism, and again, there are many definitions. There are many. This is the reason I did, uh, I hate to give the long answer, but to say the reason I did a multiple volume set sync book with multiple authors is because there's so many different answers to that question. And I would like to honor the different perspectives on what it means. But the essentially... We, what we have here is if you recognize synchronicities, the more often you recognize them and pay attention to them, you can learn to engage with them, and they actually start to increase in frequency. The question, of course, is whether or not they're actually increasing in frequency uh, or if they were always there and you're just paying attention to them. Regardless, the effect is essentially the same. That's the short answer. Synchromysticism is learning to engage with the synchronicities and really just, I mean, the short answer is pay attention. Well, it, it, indeed, and I think we all have experienced that, and there's even a scientific name for the phenomenon of when you learn about something and suddenly you start seeing it everywhere. There's, mm-hmm. there's So that phenomenon has been has been looked at, but let's look at some of the, the, the meaning behind those types of uh, synchronicities, if there can be a meaning assigned. And, and I'd like to start by reading a passage from your uh, forthcoming work of yours called Suicide Kings that you were kind enough to send me an advanced copy of, and you had an interesting passage there where you were talking about this at the beginning, and you said... Before we go too far, it is worth noting the very important disclaimer that synchronicity, as coined by Carl Jung, is not intended to denote a cause-and-effect relationship. Rather, in studying events with a common context and meaning, we find clues to something more mysterious. These a-causally connected events seem to naturally cluster and often emerge along the timeline in unison. So it's a sync, a reflection of the inner and outer landscapes. Let's talk about that. What does that even mean, an a-causal connection? A causal is simply not cause and effect that there is some other phenomenon at play. Uh, we get into things uh, we might say non-linear. So we could have a very strong connection between something that happened 30 years ago and something that happened uh, five minutes ago, uh, where we can't see a direct correlation of 
this cause this. You know, you, you push a ball, the ball rolls. That's cause and effect. When something, we might call it a quantum entanglement, what's, I think is a, a way that most people would understand it, where something seems to act together, but there's no obvious way in which they would be, uh, they should be, let's, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then so there's do thing- you mean that as an analogy, or do you mean that this is actually to do with quantum entanglement? For personally, I think literally it has to do with quantum entanglement. That that would be my answer. Again, I can't speak for everybody, but that seems to make the most sense to me. Um, the fact that, say, two events or two symbols or two people coming together at some point in their life, and this is interesting when you get into the historical research, is that something happens where two people seem to share a similar archetype. Um, they're, they're expressing the same mythological idea then you see that their lives are playing out in very much the same way or uh, again it could be two people who actually have met and then go on to do completely different things in their lives but somehow are connected you might have had the experience say a friend you knew 10 years ago and you haven't spoken to him in 10 years and then you're just thinking about him like oh i wonder how bill's doing and suddenly the phone rings and it's bill now how does that work are you is that precognition uh, possibly uh, there's a whole slew of answers that you could give as to what would explain that. But what makes the most sense, to me at least, is that there's some sort of quantum entanglement. You and Bill have a connection, and now 10 years later, you're still connected. And in some way, your thoughts, his thoughts, you both decide to act at the same time. As an old physics major, I'm very, very wary of people using uh, specific pieces of science in an analogous manner and then saying that they're literal. So I'm, I have all sorts of problems and red flags with uh, with using the, the concept of quantum entangle- entanglement uh, to describe effects on a macro scale that obviously quantum effects don't apply to. But there's all sorts of things to talk about in, in relation to that. Let's talk... No, a- may, I, may I address that? That's, that's fair. That's fair. And in my, in my sync book chapter, I actually make the point, I say, this is a model of the universe that works for me. It doesn't have to... I'm not looking for it to stand up to scientific scrutiny. It works well enough, and, and this to me is a starting point of a model. So I think your point is well taken, um, but just to say that this is something where I'm not looking for it to actually, that you can reproduce this in a lab. I actually think this is something stranger, and I think quantum entanglement is probably as close as we can come to simplify or to explain at our current level of understanding what it is. Well, well. Before we get too far into the, the 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 mechanism by which this this may be functioning, I think it's important to actually outline what it is we're talking about. So let's let's talk about some of the the ideas of of synchronicities and how this applies to the type of information we talk about here on the broadcast. Uh, talking about the JFK assassination, nine eleven, Osama bin Laden, those types of things. There's all sorts of uh, synchronicities that swirl around these events that uh, that I know you've worked on. For example, when it comes to for the JFK assassination and the interesting synchronicities with the Lincoln assassination, which I'm sure everyone has at least seen some variation of the list of synchronicities between those two assassinations. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, The most common list of Lincoln-Kennedy coincidences are not a very good list. A lot of them are actually incorrect or slightly fudged. Um, But the point is well taken. Essentially, the reason I start the book there is because it seems to be the moment in time, at least, that we can trace where people started to pay attention. Here in the Western world, we started to pay attention to our historical events in this way. Perhaps in older cultures, we would call this 
uh, shamanism or some, it would of course be associated with some sort of mysticism, that they would understand the way these events are correlated without necessarily a cause and effect. So with Lincoln Kennedy, you have things, um, uh, of course, Lincoln is shot inside a theater, Oswald is captured inside a theater. Um, of course, one being a, a stage theater, one being a movie theater, but a theater nonetheless. Uh, you have things where uh, JFK is actually shot in a Lincoln. The, the make of the car is a Lincoln, and it's made by Ford. Uh, Lincoln, the actual Abraham Lincoln, was shot in Ford's theater. These are kind of silly things, but you can start to understand how a pattern emerges. Lincoln uh, was followed by Johnson, and Kennedy was followed by Johnson. The uh, The former Andrew Johnson was born in... 1808, and uh, and Lyndon Baines Johnson, born in 1908. Exactly. You have this series of hundred-year um, coincidences, we might call them, where both men uh, took took office uh, 18, like, you know, the, I, the exact years, I'll be honest, don't stand out in my mind, but uh, where both men took office in Congress and presidency a hundred years right. apart. Link, Lincoln w- w- was elected to Congress in 1846, Kennedy in 1946, Lincoln took office 1860, Kennedy 1960. Right. And I am reading off of your book here, so I'm not going by memory either. <laughs> yeah, you have the advantage. For me, it's on the other screen over here. So. <laughs> um, but precisely. So Now, these are things where I've actually, when I first looked into those Lincoln-Kennedy coincidences, there's a website like scopes.com, a lot of skeptic sites where they're saying, that's not really a coincidence. Something happening 100 years apart doesn't make it a coincidence. This is, uh, you've had Warren Coleman on your show. He likes to talk about anniversary syndrome, this idea that this, in our minds, we like to link events based on their anniversaries. And I think there's something to this. Uh, for me, it becomes a coincidence when there's multiple events that are all 100 years apart. You know, if it was just, okay, one man was 1808, one man is 1908, that's, okay, that's a little something. But when you have all these multiple events and their successors also having a 100-year difference, it starts to get more interesting. Um, so, so that's where I'd kind of like to, you know, focus there. For me, that's just a very quick thing to, as a jumping-off point, because uh, you have things... John Wilkes Booth, his father, okay, is actually named after Brutus, the man who kills Caesar. Uh, his father is born on May 1st. If you look at Arthurian legend, um, it's Mordred is born on May 1st. He's, King Arthur is warned, the child born on May 1st is going to take down your kingdom. And he actually goes and commits a genocide and kills all the children. You know, glorious King Arthur, that we're all supposed to respect, goes out and commits this genocide and kills every child born on May 1st. Uh, real stand-up guy, of course. Um, but nonetheless, you have this May 1st king-kill connection, the fact that the man's named after the famous executioner of uh, Caesar. The fact that then John Wilkes Booth says, sic semper tyrannis, as he shoots Lincoln, which is the very words of John Wilkes Booth. Uh, sorry, uh, very Brutus. words of Brutus, yeah. exactly. So, you know, is this something, was this uh, John Wilkes Booth paying some sort of tribute to his father's legacy? Okay, perhaps. What about the fact that uh, the shooting takes place on Good Friday, which is, of course, the day that Jesus is said to be crucified, which, of course, Jesus, the king of kings, newborn king, he's always referred to as a king. This is the, another, again, day of a king kill. So the fact that you have all these correlations there, that it seems to be he's enacting this mythological story, uh, go a step further, where 
John Wilkes Booth jumps out of the balcony, lands on the stage, and fractures his fibia, I believe it is. Um, in the Arthurian legend, there's the, what's known as the Fisher King or Grail King. And basically, the king is said to have this leg wound. Sometimes it's, it's, a, it's essentially a, a metaphor, innuendo for a, the groin, but he has a leg wound. And then, of course, the man who kills the king becomes the king. So here, as soon as he kills the king, he gets the leg wound of the Arthurian king. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And there's a lot to talk about with the whole king kill meme and how that propagates through uh, through different ages. But let's let's take a short break. We'll be right back again talking to Ellen Abadessa Green, allthehappycreatures.com. For their prosperity, them. All right, friends, welcome back to the program. Once again, this is Corbett Report Radio, and I'm your host, James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. Tonight, we're talking to Alan Abadessa Green, AllTheHappyCreatures.com. He's the editor of a collection of writings on the synchronicities that we're talking about tonight called The Sync Book. That's available from Sync Book Press at TheSyncBook.com. Of course, that will be linked up in the show notes for tonight's episode. And he's also working on a second volume of that sync book that will be available later this year. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the program. But just before the break there, uh, Alan, we were talking about some of the uh, the synchronicities and, and things surrounding this idea of the killing of the king, this type of reenactment of a ritual that has taken place throughout different ages of time. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but there are all sorts of uh, coincidences and synchronicities that float around the various times that this has happened, the killing of the the king, the overthrowing of the person in power. And uh, this goes back, at the very least, to a mytheme from uh, the Greco-Roman era, talking about Cronus and the creation of uh, of the world. So let's talk a little bit about where this, this at least how far we can trace back this idea. Okay, that's interesting. You missed, you mentioned Kronos. So um, just at the at the end there, I was mentioning King Arthur and that leg wound or groin wound, uh, as it's it's often portrayed. Um, and of course, JFK was associated as Camelot. His his reign was known as Camelot. So of course, he's being linked with King Arthur. So just take that uh, groin wound, if I if I may, is to say that Kronos actually in the myth castrates his father. There's this series of events. His father is Uranus, uh, who first reigns, and then his son, Kronos, or Saturn, actually takes a sickle. Whenever you see Saturn with that sickle or scythe, that's what he used to castrate his father. Here we see this uh, very explicit groin wound again. We can go jump over to uh, the Egyptian myths of Osiris. Again, another very famous king kill. Uh, he is perhaps the most famous king kill archetypally, for at least from my standing, uh, in, Egypt, in Egyptian war. He is famously castrated. He's actually dismembered into 14 pieces, and his uh, wife Isis is able, only able to collect 13 of them, what is missing but his phallus. So again, we see this correlation. Uh, it's just interesting that you see these same myths throughout history and throughout regions. That's perhaps a whole other topic of finding where do we understand how do those myths or memes propagate across the globe over time. Uh, but nonetheless, coming at it from perhaps a collective consciousness level, we see that going back throughout time, this is something that human beings have understood as their basic foundational mythology, and it has carried over. And you know, going from that sort of Jungian standpoint, then these are all archetypes that we can see that once you're enacting a certain element of that, you should be aware that you might be acting enacting more of that story. 
That that's right, and it raises the interesting point that I think there one could at least construct a naturalistic explanation for this type of meme, this idea, this collective unconscious uh, coming to the surface again and again. In that perhaps humans are just hardwired in the way that we understand reality, the way our brains process information to to see that uh, when things are, uh, for example, when the fall comes and the, the leaves fall off the trees, and there's a s- sequence of death, and then there's a renewal in the spring. Well, in the same way, in order to have some sort of uh, revolution or to take power away from one leader he has to die in this sort of ritual of death and rebirth so perhaps there is a completely naturalistic explanation to all of this after all it's an excellent question um i don't like to say that there is an answer i don't think there is a singular answer i don't think we have that figured out uh so i said everything that we're able to do is kind of come really close to explaining, but oh, never quite able to really pinpoint what that is. And I think this is what's plagued man for forever, is how do you explain that sort of unexplainable? And I don't propose to to have the answer to that. But I think it's interesting because there could be a certain level of it, let's say it's hardwired in us, in our subconscious, that perhaps once some part of us recognizes that we're doing it, then we continue to do it. Uh, that's, of course, very, very possible. And this is why I think synchronicity and synchromysticism helps us because then you can actually learn and be an observer of your own life and say, oh, okay, you actually become more conscious of your actions. However, it doesn't necessarily explain how things happen that don't seem to really fall into that category of perhaps some sort of human subconscious. Like taking just going to that John Wilkes Booth example, uh, if we take the official story he actually realized he could have had a pretty good shot at Lincoln a week before, and he was very upset that he missed it, or a few days before, and he was very upset that he missed it. So then he took this opportunity. It wasn't like he was waiting around for um, you know for this particular day to come up, this Good Friday, and I don't think he would have wanted to. He wouldn't have wanted to make Lincoln a martyr. So it's just really interesting. So again, where does that happen? This is something where there's this other temporal phenomenon where it wasn't that in his subconscious to not even realize that he was waiting for that day, that's when the opportunity arose. Well, I I think that's an interesting answer because it brings up one of the key points that I think makes this such a fascinating topic, which is the specificity in in names and dates and and specific parts of stories that seem to to link up with things that happened hundreds or thousands of years ago that there's no reason to suspect that anyone even knew about at the time or thought about, but that we can uncover later. And it does raise that sort of inexplicable side of of all of this, which I think is is fascinating and and worthy of study at any rate. Let's let's talk about uh, another other um, king kill, perhaps, of sorts, um, uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, we were talking about May 1st, and lo and behold, wasn't he killed on May 1st? Absolutely right. Absolutely or supposedly right. killed. Suppo- thank you. Uh, for me, it's funny because I, the, my book, Suicide Kings, is actually about three things in particular. JFK, 9-11, and the death of Osama bin Laden. Now, that last one doesn't seem to have registered as big on people's scale. And, uh, okay, we're coming up, up against here. the break. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back once again talking to Alan Abadessa Green. All right, welcome back. You are tuned into the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network, and we are talking tonight to Alan Abadessa Green, who can be found again at allthehappycreatures.com. That will take you to his blog, also the Sync book, the Sync Press uh, website, where you can find out about the Sync book, an anthology of 
writings on this topic of synchromysticism. We will talk more about that in a moment. But first, uh, we have a caller waiting patiently on the line, and the phone lines are open if you'd like to get in on this conversation, one 800 313 39443. I almost forgot the number. 1-800-313-9443. But first, let's go to Glenn in Portland, who's been waiting patiently on the line. Glenn, thank you for calling in tonight. This is Glenn Owen from Portland, Oregon. I have not come in to come clean about CascadiaPublicRadio.org yet, but um, I'm pretty good at coming up with jingles and slogans and stuff real fast. I can turn anything into a chant. And Let's say there was somebody with a bullhorn saying, uh, September the 11th, 2001, X zillions missing from defense budget over the last 10 years. September the 11th, 2001, single media event obliterates everything else for days, months, and years. And then a kind of a, quote, Greek chorus, close quote, comes in with, Ka-winky-dink, ka-winky-dink, do you think that's a ka-winky-dink, 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 I don't think it's a ka-winky-dink. I know it's stupid and mindless, but it fits into your theme tonight. <laughs> it does fit in very well. Well, you raise a good point, because there are so many coincidences and things that we're just supposed to accept as, oh, it's just it just came together that way when we look at things like 9-11, that, uh, that oh, yeah, he announced a, a war, a new war on September 10th, 2001, Donald Rumsfeld giving us press speech. Oh, yeah, $2.3 trillion missing from the Pentagon, announces a war on bureaucracy September 10th. The next day, the Pentagon's budget analyst office gets hit by a plane and uh, we're expected to accept yeah just one of those coincidences just funny how that works so you're you're right thank to bring that up thank, yeah, thank, you, thank you for taking the ball and running with it i'm enjoying your program thank well you. thank you glenn i appreciate that so so alan what's your thoughts on that if i may i want to make it very clear i'm not trying to muddy the waters here i understand that there's a lot of things that we're supposed to take as a coincidence uh i'm not trying to say that there aren't conspiracies i hope i've made that very clear is that there's not an attempt on my part to muddy the waters or to deny conspiracy. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, this is, I was going to talk about Osama bin Laden. I don't even think Osama bin Laden was actually killed on May 1st. But what the point I was trying to make is that it actually, I'm just trying to make a distinction. And there are some areas where we cannot make a distinction. And for me, with the Osama bin Laden thing, it's almost... I'm very careful when I say this. It's not that it doesn't matter. Of course it matters on an intellectual and factual level. But on the symbolic level, it actually doesn't matter if the man was killed that day or not. Symbolism is still there. The symbolism is act- about the public performance of, of the event rather than the event itself. And Yes, and I would add that, of course, the collective consciousness, how this is the... If this is the main story, then it's the one that's going to reverberate the most. I, I don't want to try, I'm not trying to go into some sort of new age territory. I'm just saying that certainly seems to be how it, you know, how this, how this works. Well, let me clarify as well. I, I don't mean what I just said as an attack on the idea of, of synchronicities. I think in it, uh, at the quite the opposite. When we look at synchronicities, it, it causes us to actually think about the connections between events that we would not have otherwise 
really thought about why is this happening in in, in conjunction right. with that and uh, and one of the ways that I think that the uh, the the nine eleven propaganda and things like that functions is trying to ask us to tear apart events that clearly are linked that there are connections that we can see so so I think when we look at this type of synchronicities and things like that it it, it helps to expand the the scope of what it is that we're doing and to to fight against that propaganda that's always telling us that the world is just random coincidences and don't look for any any right. meaning or connection be- behind anything I think quite the opposite is what this th- this idea of exploring synchronicities is to me at any rate well, let's Absolute, talk a little bit more about a song Sure. Yeah. If just real quick is to say that that's exactly my point. It's not to muddy the waters, but rather to see a fuller picture. And exactly, so you you can imagine some sort of spectrum. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Flatland. These these kind of stories of just quick, quick, real quick example is to say if you look at something on a two dimensional plane, of course it looks like a two dimensional object. If you're able to get a further away, then suddenly you see that there's this whole other dimension. Sometimes people, I think, in the New Age circles go so far over that they're stuck on a, two, a different two-dimensional plane. The idea would be to be as wherever you can be that you can see as much of the picture as possible and to understand that it's all part of the same object, it's all part of the same picture, and that we should respect these other areas of research. So I respect very much the areas of looking for non-coincidences, coincidences. I was actually on Vinnie Eastwood's show last night, and I said, to me... Uh, Conspiracy research is the same thing as synchromysticism. You're looking for connections, saying, why are these two things, why are both these men at the same time, at the same place? That shouldn't be. And you're, it's a process of drawing connections. What I'm trying to do is come in and say, let's make distinctions. Which one of the, these events, we, we know there's a relationship, what is the nature of the relationship? Because very often, everyone's, everything's getting lumped into the conspiracy pile when that does not seem to be the case, for my money. Exactly right. I think that there is definitely value to be to be gained from actually looking at looking for and looking at connections between different events. And I think that's one of the things that uh, that we are fed constantly is trying to keep us uh, keep us asleep. Don't look for connections. So I, I think we have to uh, uh, fight against that tendency. But we have another caller on the line. Once again, the phone lines are open one eight hundred three one three nine four four three. Let's go to Corey in Texas. Corey, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate you guys taking my call, and I appreciate uh, what you guys do. I would just want to tell everybody to keep donating and supporting to keep uh, this station going. But anyways, that's not why I'm calling. I was calling to ask you guys what you thought about the Free State Project and uh, the 20,000 people that are moving up there for liberty and freedom. Uh, personally, I, I haven't uh, interviewed anyone about it. I don't know a lot about it. I've heard about this idea. Uh, I think it's potentially a great idea, but I don't know any of the specifics about it, so I don't know enough to comment on. But, uh, Alan, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm quite aware. I mean, I live in the Northeast. I live in New York, so that's uh, a New Hampshire project, and I've met a lot of people from the Free State Project. Uh, particularly uh, a few years ago, I was involved with the Ron Paul campaign. I spent a lot of time with that crowd. I'm very familiar with it. Um, my only hesitation with them was that they seemed uh, opposed to an idea of secession, which for me seemed like an important step, which could, of course, open a whole other debate. But that was something where they just wanted to sort of take some local power back, which I think is, of course, a, a very good idea, but uh, still limited in, in scope from my, from, from my take. Great. Well, I'm from I'm from the Texas area, and I joined it. I'll be there uh, the spring of 2013. Um, you know, I, I woke up, so to say, about a year and a half ago, and after Ron Paul, I'm just too not not too sure what else there is left to do. You know, I don't want to 
wait on Ron Paul to tell me, so I'm just going to start making some moves. And I, I think the best thing to do is surround yourself by as many like-minded people as you can in case shit does yeah. happen. And then, um, you know, we can bear arms. Right. Well, we often talk about that creating the community that you want to survive whatever collapse is coming. And I think that's that's all we can do. So I think it is important to find like-minded people. Corey, do you have any suggestions of people that I should have on the program to talk about this? Um, you know, uh, I, I could tell a couple people. Uh, Carla Garrick is, a, is a, a part of the Free State Movement. And uh, she's, I think, vice president. They call her the queen. I'm pretty sure uh, you could have her on, and uh, she could fill you in on a little bit more. I know uh, we just hit 13,000 signers, and uh, already 2,000 people have moved. Um, uh, Twenty-plus people have been elected into the state office from the Free State Project. Uh, there, there's lots of movement going on. Well, it's good to hear about. I don't know if it's the answer, but at the very least, it doesn't hurt to have like-minded people trying to come together to do something. So uh, so good to hear about that. Thank you for the call, Corey. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Well, interesting. Uh, another piece of uh, <laughs> kind of out of left field there, but it, it all fits together. And it, it, uh, it often we talk about politics, obviously, on this show. How does Absolutely. the synchronicities fit in or not fit in with the, the politics that are happening in, in the United States right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. It all does. Um, I'd like to address the Osama bin Laden thing if we have a few minutes left in this segment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually on your, from your news source, you did a very good job when Osama bin Laden was quote-unquote killed on May 1st. Very important day. This is also Beltane. There's, there's a lot of um, significance to this day. But uh, you, do you remember you put up a link saying how many times bin Laden had been reported killed? Nine times. Nine times. Who has nine lives? A cat. A cat. Okay. So here's a series of events because I actually, on my blog, said that weekend, uh, earlier that week, I said, you watch this weekend, the king is going to get shot in the head. And I was trying to figure out who the king was. All right, so let me just kind of break this down. On Wednesday, you have Barack Obama introduce, so actually the week before, one week before was Easter, the the rebirth of the king, right? This is the day that Jesus is to, to rise from the grave. This is the rebirth of the king. Then on Wednesday, oh, uh, oh excuse me, Barack Obama introduces his birth certificate, which is essentially a symbolic rebirth himself. Now, on Saturday, he does the press correspondence dinner. Of course, the day before Friday is the alchemical royal wedding over there in England. Uh, Very important also, but we don't have time to get into that. Uh, On Saturday, uh, Barack Obama does this press correspondence dinner where he says, I'm not only going to show you my birth certificate, I'm going to show you a video of my live birth. And he shows a video from Disney's Lion King showing this lion being held up. So not only is he announcing himself as the newborn king, so you understand that. So there's the reborn, you have Easter reborn king, Wednesday introducing birth certificate, Saturday showing himself as the born king, and then on Sunday reports that he killed Osama bin Laden. What does Osama mean in Japanese? Uh, does it mean prince or king? means king. Yeah. It means king. So, now, of course, this is just a name game here, but the fact that the day before he's announcing himself as the king, then the next day announcing that he has killed Osama, the king. That's very, very interesting to me. Now, I found this in a, uh, this is a version of uh, James Fraser's Golden Bow, which I uh, gave you the link to. And this is a quote from a book on Egyptian mysteries that was published in uh, Paris. And it says... 
they're talking about this festival where the Egyptian king would be symbolically killed and reborn. And they say, uh, how was this function carried? How was this fiction carried out? How is this miracle performed? He assumed the posture characteristic of an embryo in its mother's womb. When he came forth from the skin, he was deemed to be reborn. Uh, he, excuse me, he was deemed to be reborn. And Pharaoh, for whom this rite was celebrated, was himself reborn. Or to adopt the Egyptian expression, he renewed his births. Renewed his births, presenting the birth certificate, right? Uh, and in the testimony of the due performance of the rites, the king girt his loins with the tail, a compendious representative of the skin of the sacrificed beast, whence the name of the festival. So this is called the festival of the tail. So uh, in Arabic, Osama means lion. In Japanese, it means king. So here you have Barack Obama presenting himself as the Lion King, saying, I've killed the Lion King, I am the Lion King. The king is dead, long live the king. Now, if this is high occult uh, politics, or this is crazy synchronicity, I, I don't, don't want to take it. It's, it's definitely something, for sure. For sure. That, <laughs> it is absolutely mind-blowing when you start looking at things like this, because it's something that I've often talked about with people here. Oh, Osama in Japan, Osama meaning royalty, meaning king. It's just, uh, yeah, it is. It's funny how all of that swirls together, isn't it? Um, I, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> there are so many different ways to branch out from that. Yeah, I, hmm. I just think it's fascinating that this, so there was this this ritual where he would actually put on the tail of the, the sacrificed beast. So this to me shows, and then of course we have this, um, what, what ends up playing out is all the media who keep saying, there was actually reports of news stations reporting, uh, Obama has been killed. Oop, we mean Osama. And this was of course done as a political game for many time to try and, you know, associate the two men. So we see that there is on a political level, that, say, Barack Obama's opponents would want to associate him with Osama bin Laden. So we see that that name game is played intentionally for that reason. And then the fact that you would have these men to be so intertwined on this mythological synchronicity level, it just shows that they go hand in hand. And it gets really hard to make the distinction, where is it that someone decided, I want to play a political game and, you know, make references, oops, I said uh, Osama, I meant Obama you know, this kind of foolishness, and then the actual symbolism steps in. Right. And as someone who's real. made that mistake before, literally just made that mistake, yeah. it's, it's it's just one of those things that happens. It is uh, interesting in and of itself. Let's talk about something else that was happening in the world that week. It was a very interesting week, uh, politically and in terms of ritual. And, uh, of course, that was also the week that, uh, that uh, Kate and uh, Prince uh, William were also married. Correct. Now, there actually is an alchemical sequence. Um, what happens is that there is a king and a queen are to be united, and then they consummate their marriage, and then they die. And they are elevated to this spiritual plane, and then they are reborn as spiritual beings. This is something that if you study any kind of alchemy, this is a sequence that gets repeated over and over again. So the fact that the alchemical marriage happened the day before, to me is intimately tied to this. And there's actually another, there's two other elements in this. There's the fact that on Sunday, the same day Osama bin Laden was reported killed, uh, it's either Sunday or Monday, but I'm almost positive it's Sunday, the Vatican, they raised the dead Pope from the ground, 
they, they were this process they call beatification, this idea of raising him to sainthood. Uh, so essentially, you have the dead king being elevated to heavenly status in the Vatican, while you have the alchemical marriage taking place in England, while you have the king kill and rebirth happening in D.C. Now, for anyone who's looked at the idea that these sort of these three powerful cities of each connecting, you know, one controlling the religious uh, element of things, one controlling the financial, one controlling the political, then you, it really does look like a high-scale ritual. To me, this is something I, on this element, I lean more towards ritual than synchronicity on this particular event. But it's, it's all very much connected. It's uh, it, it goes right back to the the three centers: the London, the uh, Rome, Washington. The uh, precisely, yeah. yeah, very interesting, very interesting. And it all and think about around. how that think about how that plays out. All of those all of those cities having masses and masses and masses of people in the streets celebrating their act. So the Vatican has huge crowds to glorify their dead pope. London has huge crowds to glorify their dictators, and we have huge crowds to glorify. Hey. Our dictator killed another dictator. Yay. You know, it's <laughs> bizarre how that uh, plays out. Absolutely fascinating. Well, okay, for all people who are similarly fascinated by this conversation, needless to say, this is really only scratching the surface of the types of synchronicities that have been uh, dug up by people like Ellen Ebedes Green and many others who are working in this. And uh, on that note, of course, there is The Sync Book, Volume 1, available for sale right now. Volume 2 will be coming out shortly. If you're interested, we'll tell you how you can get your hands on a copy when we come back from this break. So let's take another short break to uh, to collect our breath. We'll be back uh, just a few minutes from now and we will wrap things up with talking to Alan Abadessa Green, allthehappycreatures.com. The Corbett Report is brought to you by The Corbett Report subscriber. A weekly newsletter featuring James Corbett's international forecaster editorial, recommended reading and viewing, discounts on Corbett Report DVDs and once a month, a subscriber-only video. Sign up today to start receiving your copy at corbettreport.com slash support. All right, friends, we're back. We're here. We're live. This is Republic Broadcasting. You're tuned into Corbett Report Radio. Tonight, we've been talking to Alan Abadessa Green. Once again, his personal website, allthehappycreatures.com. And from there, you'll be able to find his blog and also a link to the Sync Press uh, and the Sync Book, which is available from Sync, Sync Book Press. So let's talk a little bit about the Sync Book, what it is, how people can get a copy, and what is to come from Sync Book Press. Absolutely. Uh, thesyncbook.com. That's S-Y-N-C, thesyncbook.com. We've had a few books put out already. Uh, this actually started as something very easygoing. A uh, bunch of different bloggers that I had associa- associations with and other people whose work I admired. I said, hey, what if we all you know, wrote a chapter that would be kind of interesting? And then as the submissions started coming in, we suddenly had this amazing book. And I said, wow, <laughs> you know, okay, let's do something with this. And it just really snowballed out of nowhere. Uh, the book's fantastic. The first volume is 26 authors, fantastic people. I encourage everyone, if you go to thesyncbook.com, you'll see a tab for authors. Please explore their blogs, their websites. Uh, there's so much material there. Everybody does amazing work. I really encourage everyone to please go and click on the authors tab. Uh, we also do radio shows there. We've put out other books, Andros Jones, Accidental Initiations, Douglas Bowles, Winter's Labyrinth. We've, those are the first two books we've put out since the Sync book. Fantastic books. Please pick them up. 
You can also find them on that site. And next month, we'll have SyncBook Volume 2. Uh, that should be coming out November 29th. Who's on board for this one? Uh, we have Lauren Coleman uh, is, is one of them. I should probably have a, a better idea. Anthony Peak, Paul Levy, uh, Kirby, Dr. Kirby Surprise, Ezra Sanzibel, um, Richard Arrowsmith, Freeman, who you've also had on your show, uh, Frater Rex, um, Scott Onstott, Mike Cleveland. 20, it's, it's, again, it's 26 authors. It's another 26. My plan uh, is actually to do three volumes eventually. I'm going to take a break after this one. But to do three volumes total, each at 26. The first one was just 26 kind of randomly. Uh, it's just how many came in. And then I realized as I was doing a second volume, I realized that uh, three volumes of 26 give us a, gives us a full tarot deck. Uh, so that's an interesting study for me because the I see the tarot as something it's basically a library of archetypes so for someone who's studying how archetypes emerge while it could be uh, discredited or new agey or anything like that I actually think it's an incredibly worthy study in itself uh, so it's something I've gotten into and I liked the idea of honoring that number somewhat well, that's an interesting point because people who just dismiss memes and ideas out of hand because they're they're uh, it's new agey or whatever. Well, that may be so, but it's still telling us something about the human psyche. So, th- at the very Absolutely. least, it's worthy of ex- exploration in that event. All right, tons of information. Uh, once again, you said the Sync Book Volume Two is coming out in December. Uh, sorry, November twenty ninth. Okay, November twenty ninth. All right, and once again, people can find that at thesyncbook.com, and of course, allthehappycreatures.com is your personal website. Alan Abadess Green, just an incredible amount of information, lots of things swirling around. There's no way to sum up a conversation like this, so let me simply thank you for coming on the program. Uh, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Big fan of your work. Keep well, going. thank you. Excellent. All right, there he goes, Alan Abadessa Green. So tonight uh, we've been talking about synchronicities, and tomorrow night we'll be talking about news and headlines, and then on Thursday night we're going to be talking to Rosa Corey about Agenda 21. Friday night we have another edition of Friday Night Highlights lined up for you to dip into the archives of CorbettReport.com. Once again, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of completely free commercial-free media available for download and your listening, viewing, and or reading pleasure there at CorbettReport.com. So I hope you're using it as the resource that it is. That's it for me tonight, so thank you all for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again 23 hours from now. So until then, thanks for listening and take care.